Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor of about a dozen years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I run Strength Guild. I'm a competitive powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, coach. I also run my own federation, USSF. And John Mike here. I'm uh, finishing up my doctorate in exercise phys. I finally finished my data collection after four months. Mm. I'm a team member on columnist for EliteFTS.com and write for major fitness and bodybuilding magazines. This is Mary Catherine Powers, and I'm a graduate assistant at Kent State University um, in the strength and conditioning department. Right on. I was just going to say, an MC is she's an exercise physiologist and now a certified strength coach, and she's going to be helping us with our 2014 year in review. Uh, maybe we'll throw in some predictions, too, if anybody's feeling courageous, you know, what's coming down the pike in uh, 2015, I guess. Uh, Phil, you said you had a little bit of news? Strength and muscle sport news. Yeah, the only thing I wanted to mention was uh, the uh, Lillibridge came out and finally broke the all-time uh, total in raw powerlifting at 308. He beat John Cole's record that was in place since 1972, um, and he beat it by five pounds. So, I mean, that's I think it's awesome because the record's awesome, but I think what's also amazing is everybody talks about how much stronger and how, how much more advanced we are now, this and that, and despite even... You know, I guess we could arguably say there's a lot more performance enhancing drugs now available than there was in 1972. It still took that many years to beat it by five pounds. <clears throat> you know, so we're not, you know, evolution hasn't happened that fast. <laughs> you right. know, we haven't evolved into super creatures now, yet. Phil, and did, when it takes that long to beat it by five pounds. Right. Did gear come into play in this somehow? No, this is raw, okay. just wraps. Okay. Wraps in a belt. Mm-hmm. So that's comparable. I mean, that's uh, like control I, I suppose you could say that the wraps are probably nicer now than the ace bandages back in 1972, but mm-hmm. that's, you know, um, no, so it was a pretty pretty big deal. And he did it after, you know, Eric didn't have a great showing at the GPA Worlds <clears throat> two weeks prior. So I, it looks like he just, it, this is in some little gym, and it looks like he knew that, man, I had a bad... He was talking like he was going to have a good game at GPA Worlds and then just had a bad meet. And it looks like he just found the fastest meet he could to do and then came in and had the day he should have had. All right. Well, let's get to some of the um, the topic. We're just going to jump into the topic today, everybody, uh, and just have a sort of a free-for-all discussion. Uh, we've got a sort of a best-of-worst-of sort of list here for just lots of things. Uh, and I'm going to start off with something geeky 
and I don't know if uh, John, if you want to chime in, especially because you're really up on the literature right now. Uh, in fact, you know what? This will make you feel good. But I've heard that scientists generally are at their peak as far as uh, the breadth of their knowledge when they um, are doing their dissertation. So, oh, yeah, no I, ex- doubt. I expect no you doubt. to impress. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think, Lonnie, I know you, you will agree, too. But I think, you know, when you get up there and you're done with your dissertation and you're defending, you know, that old saying of, you know, you're the only one that knows so much about this topic that anybody else in the room. And, and, and as, that t- as that time gets closer, that's that's really true. I mean, you should know everything literally almost everything there is about about your topic because you've been doing it for so long right on. you know yeah um so yeah yeah i'm still waiting to call you dr john you know yeah dr well, john uh, like sometime it'll maybe come. february to march, february to march maybe hopefully sweet so okay so here's what i'm thinking for a best science of the past year uh, i have two little things here best researcher i'm going to go with Stu phillips and a lot of people are familiar yeah. with Stu. I know him. He's a great guy, and he's one of those guys we have got to absolutely get on the show. There's actually a short list of people that I've wanted to have on the show. Stu's one of them. Um, Bob Lemieux is another. Yes. The MC knows. Yes. Um, there's a couple of people, but not just because of his contributions to protein uh, metabolism and, and muscle growth, uh, and they are significant from dose to type, I mean, timing, um, but I think what let him really rise to the top of my list was he tells people about it. He's very active in social media. And uh, yeah, and you don't see, and you know what? I mean, I don't know if he's ever listened. We've had Nick Bird, who's worked closely with him on the show more than once. Uh, but being so busy, you know, some of these short list guys that I'd like to have on the show, they're just so busy. Sometimes I almost hesitate to bug them, you know, but I'd love to get him on the show. Uh, and since he is on a lot of social media, you know, he's always tweeting and that sort of stuff. I just think he deserves a real tip of the hat for that sort of stuff. So he's a world class researcher and and a bit of a ham. Sometimes I think he's he's a very charismatic guy, you know, uh, and very bright. And so he would make a fantastic guest. So Stu Phillips is my best science uh, guy of the year, best researcher. Um, partly because of the social media thing. And as far as studies go, and this is where, John, I don't know if you'll agree or not, but I would say anything that has to do with the microbiome, that has been all over the news in 2014, you know, your gut bacteria. um, There was just a review. In fact, you can go to PubMed, right? Go to the National Library of Medicine, and you can look up reviews on this and see what the state of the research is. Here's one example. This is December 2014, so spanking new stuff. Cardinelli and colleagues in um, Obesity Surgery, the journal. Uh, basically, it's um, the influence uh, of intestinal microbiota on body weight gain. Uh, it's a review, and it's basically suggesting, you know, the gut bacteria, they talk to other aspects of your body, you know, and influence things like weight gain and body composition. So... Um, Anyway, anyway, anything to do with gut bacteria and the microbiome, if I've got a prediction for 2015, is that we're going to see even more uh, probiotic kinds of supplements and that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, although, honestly, I think the biggest way to influence that is just to eat the traditional bodybuilder kind of diet with vegetables and nuts and, you know what I mean, and high-quality kinds of foods. But Yeah, kind of along the same lines of the, the uh, nutrition stuff, I, you know, gluten was one of those things that, that – kept coming up you know this past year and i actually wrote an article about 
gluten for Alita TS. I think it was from uh, August or September of this year. And I mean, it was probably, you know, 3,500, 4,000 words. And, you know, I basically say, and I mean, you know, everyone is this gluten phobia, right? But they don't understand that it's in everything. It's in cookies, salad dressings, gravies, sauces, all kinds of things. I mean, you know, you're not necessarily going to have gluten free when it's being cooked next to fried chicken. So <clears throat> it's essentially, I mean, 99%, you know, 90, I say 90 plus percent of the people out there really don't really have much to worry about, um, you know, because it's just, a, a, you know, gluten sensitivity and affects such a small percentage of people, you know, not that it's not significant, but it's just, it's overblown and it's certainly over-exaggerated. I agree with that. The gluten-free movement, I feel like, is huge. And I think that people automatically think, because it's gluten-free, that it's healthier. And that's not yeah. always the case. And, people and a lot get, of times, a lot of yeah. times, a lot of the small businesses out there have just grown exponentially because they've created gluten-free products just to, you know, get more, uh, you know, revenue and that type of thing. Well, there was even this study that came out. Uh, was it late summer that? Uh, yeah, it was from the. It was from. It was from the original guy that uh, that that actually came out and said originally that you know gluten you know you need to be weary of it and it causes all sorts of problems. You know, then he came back out this this last summer. He did a follow up study and basically saying, look, it, it this doesn't really exist to the extent that people make it out to be. Right. Well, I was thinking about the paper too that. Basically, they were suggesting it's something else in wheat. Do you remember? Like, uh, oh, uh, there was a oh, lot of yeah. buzz about that. Where they're like, you know, there was actually a controlled study, and they fed some people just gluten. I think we talked about it on the show, and then wheat. And the wheat group had some problems, but the gluten, not as much. So they were almost suggesting, you know, it's not that gliadin protein in gluten, but maybe it's something else. Uh, so I don't know. I think the jury's still out on a lot of this stuff. And you're right; people get so excited about it and then the fitness industry is always you know scratching for money it seems like and then they're trying to create whole business arms around this fad you know yeah so, i think it will fade i definitely think it's a fad for sure okay i only have one other thing under the science category i have a lot of parts under this one i guess but that's sort of my geeky role here mm -hmm. um muscle farm you know in that arnold schwarzenegger series of supplements I'm going to tip my hat to these guys. I have no connection with them in any way, but they are funding sports nutrition research. And yes. uh, people need to realize that supplement companies don't have to do that. Even though mm. the FDA regulations are stricter than when like Bigger, Stronger, Faster came out, nobody's making them do this. In fact, they're at quite a risk when they do this because they could throw $20,000 at a university. That's a realistic you know, supplement study probably amount. And... If the results come back negative and the university owns the data, they're going to tell everyone this doesn't work. So unlike pharmaceutical companies that have in-house research teams that will basically shut up if they get non-significant results, you know, in this kind of setting, it's all out there in the public. And uh, so, yeah, so kudos to the guys at Muscle Farm and that Arnold Schwarzenegger series uh, for funding small studies because yeah they don't have i to. actually know, i know jordan moon so i know what you're talking about oh good okay. um i was actually part of um one of the studies i was i took um cree three i believe it was i think that's through muscle farm um if i'm not mistaken but i, I did a i think it was an eight-week training study and it was um vo2 max and a couple things at the beginning and body comp and stuff like that and then um i came in eight weeks later and i did similar tests and things like that but um, I think that's huge when companies are able to fund that and when they're able to 
like you said, it's a huge risk. And I, I should know more, but I don't know the exact results and stuff out of that. But I, it was Cree three, like once a day or whatever. It was a pre-workout, I believe. So, okay. but mm-hmm. I actually really liked it. It was, I thought it really helped. Like as a, for a pre-workout, I actually liked it. So I thought it was pretty you know, good. You know, uh, Lonnie's, uh, you know, speaking of those pre-workouts, I, I think one of the uh, better things in terms of the science this year has been just a increase more exposure to beta alanine i mean that has been hitting the shelves like crazy and you know i've taken it a few times and i mean it's 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 awesome it's legit you know i actually have taken it less uh, i had uh, way too much of it built up in my basement from freebies <laughs> from supplement companies and i was gonna go bad you know so i yeah. gave uh to a local bodybuilding contest i gotta remember to put this on my taxes <laughs> as a donation <laughs> but i gave them like 50 cans of creatine and beta alanine you know and uh, people might be cringing. Oh, why'd you do that? You know, do it as a giveaway at Iron Radio, but that takes a, a lot of time for me to send those to individuals. Whereas I just had to get rid of it. But the point being is, it is legit because it also has a lot of interest to the longevity people. So it's yes. one of those things that's healthy as well as helping with performance. You know, so pretty cool. I was going to say something. Uh, let me back up just half a step about the whole microbiome thing and the bacteria in your gut. When I looked back on the year, and you can look at NPR, you know, um, or it's Public Radio International now, I think, and Science Friday has talked about the microbiome in your gut and all that a lot. I think that's exactly why people who do the if it fits your macros thing, I think that's why that approach is risky. You know, because if all you do is count protein, carbs, and fats – you could get your carbs from cheese puffs, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. and that's not the same thing as getting your carbs and fats from stuff like nuts and Why oats. Yeah. You know, so anyway, from an immediate body composition perspective, maybe if it fits your macros, that IIFYM thing, maybe that's similar, you know, in the short term. But in the long term, like I said, that old school bodybuilding diet, you know, of chicken and vegetables for dinner and oats and berries mm-hmm. for breakfast and all that kind of stuff. And mixed nuts and you know that kind of stuff is just going to lead to way longer reaching you know career longevity kinds of things and trust me some of the young guys that are listening to the show and even umc this stuff adds up if you want career longevity you cannot do something like Mm -hmm. you know one of these fad diets like that go mad thing that gallon milk a day thing or the if it fits your macros these things uh, they're they're making interesting points, you know, that milk is anabolic or that, you know, calories and macros matter. But for career longevity, man, that's going to bite you in the ass by the time you're in your late 30s. You exactly. know what I mean? Um, because you just... It's a, it's a quick fix over, over a long term. Yeah, and that's been the yeah. argument that I've seen with that is a lot of the the big name guys have come up against the whole, I call them the IIFYM cult because they are very cultish. And and just argued that, you know, sure, it'll get you lean, but none of them know a champion that has ever done that. You know, they just, yeah. you know, the, the guys on top are, are on a much more strict diet and, you know, to get where they got to be. So, and yeah, it'll work. I mean, if you're a couch potato and you're 150 pounds overweight, tracking anything is going to help. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, I've heard people say that before. If you can just follow anything yes. religiously, even if it's imperfect, I know you've yes. said that before, you know, better to follow an imperfect plan than a perfect yeah. plan that you don't get to follow. Cut your Twinkie intake from 20 to 2 and you're going to lose weight, you know, even exactly. though you're still eating Twinkies. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 
<clears throat> so anyway, I think that whole microbiome thing, that gut bacteria, it's a mechanism by which IIFYM would be very risky, right? Mm-hmm. Because you'd be cultivating all the bad bacteria and not the good ones, you know. Forget all yeah, the phytochemicals and, you know, whatnot. Along similar lines, probably one of the uh, – um, may, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves, but one of the worst things I think this year was just the whole conglomerates of this detox stuff over and over and over again. And I just – I wrote an article about this um, for Lita TS a few months ago, and basically, you know, they are quick-fix diets that just garner so much attention and excitement, but you just can't sustain this crap for – Mm-hmm. long periods of time. I mean, yeah, people have, you know, like digestive diseases like colitis or diverticulitis. But, you know, if you have something like that, you need to consult a, a qualified medical professional, not, right. you know, not lose weight, you know, not, not lose 15 to 20 pounds and, you know, five days from a cardboard box, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing. Yeah, especially yeah. our crowd of lifters trying to gain weight and stuff. You're doing extended fasts and stuff like that. Yeah. Nobody's getting huge by not eating. I don't mm-hmm. know. Exactly. Yeah. It's really and there's really the juicing not, diets. Yeah, exactly. There's really not a lot of evidence or even like clinical implications to suggest that the treatments really have a lot of benefit. I mean, it's probably safe for like a day or two, but anything beyond that, like a week, two weeks, I mean, you, you just it, it makes people believe that they can undo, you know, um, you know, lifestyle changes and, and just with quick fixes and have unrealistic expectations. Right. And, you know, listeners, just so you don't think it's just John, because John had mentioned the detoxing before, uh, we have sort of a circle of email, you know, geeks, basically. And this was coming up. uh, Mike Nelson, who's a co-host on the show, uh, everybody seems to be hearing about this detox thing. That's a good call. That's definitely something that was percolating in 2014. And you know what? That's like back to the 70s kind of crap. You know, anyway. Well, let's keep moving here. Uh, I got a big, big list. I'm going to do a shout-out. I don't know if I would say favorite Iron Radio listener, but uh, listeners that stood out in 2014 to me, because I don't get to spend as much time on our Facebook listeners page as maybe I should. But one is Michael Miskell. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time that I put up a show on Facebook, uh, not just through iTunes or Libsyn or our other sources, but on Facebook, I always get very quickly get a like or a comment or something out of Michael. So thank you, Michael, for that. Uh, and, you know, a, a runner-up to that, I think, would be Holly Stearns Chapman. Mm-hmm. She's always got interesting pictures. She put up this, like, sausage house <laughs> yesterday <laughs> or whatever. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, but both of those guys, Michael and Holly, are going to be high on the list. And there are others, of course. Uh, but yeah. those are two that repeatedly have jumped out to me. So thanks for your uh, input. You just mentioned, yeah, I was going to bring Holly up on that, too. No, Michael's coming to a meet here in a couple weeks. So he'll be up here at my place. Oh, cool. And Holly just left my place. So, <laughs> well, there you go. <clears throat> but, um, favorite episode. I looked back over the 2014 episodes, and there were a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna be whipped, and I'm gonna say near the top would be episode 243 with my wife Kelly <laughs> when Kelly was on. Uh, but you know oh, what? It's okay. not brownie points. I know. Wait, <laughs> let me let me back up. <laughs> We had been promising people for ages about a psychology episode, and she talked about a lot of the psychological issues that surround lifters. It wasn't like a pre-competition um, sports psych thing. It was more like, what are some of the psychological issues uh, as lifters age or in a competitor versus a non-competitor? Uh, and it, that reminds me that I need to get some more psych people on. But I'm never going to convince you that it's not brownie points. So, so I'm going to probably go number one, uh, episode 253 with Ed Cohn. 
Uh, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I said almost nothing during that episode, if I remember. Uh, but there are there's only a handful of people. In fact, there are three people who can make me geek out on, on a show or like in person a little bit where I'm, you know, like I've seen some famous people, but Ed Cohn is one of them. And I think Frank Zane and Tom Platts are some of the other ones. Uh, I would have a real hard time not being tongue-tied in front of those guys. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of funny. But I, I, Eddie's so um, uh, no-nonsense, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, His episode for me was right up there with our Bill Pearl episodes. And those were some of my favorite we've ever done. I agree with that. <clears throat> so. Yeah, Bill, Bill Pearl. God, that was what, 2009, 2010? Yeah, we've had him twice. twice. And yeah, both of them were great. So. Yeah. You know what? The whole he's time in, he's in his eighties now. Mm-hmm. He's still deadlifting three fifteen. Yep, right. You know, the whole time we were recording those, I just kept thinking we're making sort of a deposit into the history bank here. Yeah, in, exactly. You know, by just being able to get him in front of young people one more time. Mm-hmm. What a what a class act. Yeah. So. Um. How about this one? Favorite book or you know best thing you learned this year? Any ideas? Mm. Ooh, that's tough. Yeah, it doesn't have to be just a book, of course. It could be an individual fact that you learned, you know. The, I don't know. Most beneficial to me as a coach has been getting some of the um, Russian text actually translated for me and being able to read that firsthand instead of this weird, uh, like, been passed around telephone game Russian text stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been delving into it. You know, some of the, you know, I, I found a Russian guy over in Russia, of course, oddly enough. And he, like, translated some of Borshiko's uh, books. And I was amazed at how different it was from what I had seen published here um, on various web, web media and things. So um, for me as a coach, and now I'm, of course, playing with that stuff in the gym with myself and clients. So that's been the biggest part to me, and I can't wait to get my hands on more of that. Phil, that is huge. You know, yeah. when I was a doc student, uh, we got a hold of some Russian literature uh, that we couldn't read, and one of the other doctoral students could speak Russian, and mm-hmm. he translated that stuff. And I, I can't agree more. I mean, when you get a direct translation or you can ask a question of the translator, mm-hmm. uh, you start to realize, yeah, that the information that we've been getting is not what the the original author said. Yes. <laughs> yep. So, um, you know, one of the things that I learned, and this might sound funny, maybe some listeners will be like, oh, yeah, amen to that, but... Um, Trying to lift when you're fatigued after a long work day sucks. Oh, God. <laughs> it does. Or in the middle of a long work day. Well, right. If you work in a in a in lifting a facility room. like you, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Because, just because you can't, you know, when, it, when it's 7 o'clock, the gym is packed. Uh, everywhere I turn, there's somebody on the equipment. You know, the squat room has now been taken over by the quote-unquote Olympic lifters who are CrossFitter, oh. you know, esque. I'm not saying all of them. They're, maybe they're mm-hmm. legit Olympic lifters, and that's fine. They have a right to be back there. But uh, there's the usual group of power lifters that have been back there for ages, like in our power room at my gym. But it's just the gym's too packed. You know, you can't drink a bunch of coffee at 7 p.m. I can't because then I'll never go to sleep. I mean, exactly. I will never go to sleep. And then it'll ruin the next day. You know, and if you don't drink the coffee, you're so burnt because you poured everything into your work all day that there's nothing to offer. 
And mm-hmm. so anybody who's got a really good idea on how to deal with lifting in the evening after work, we did do a show years ago on time of day. You know, maybe I should get up in the morning and lift super early. But you know what? I mean, I, you know, people are like, well, you make time for fitness. You don't find time. Really? Because I get up at 4 a.m., mm-hmm. 4, to go collect data. You know, yeah. I, I have to drive an hour to the university and collect data and this and that to do that coffee research. Uh, in fact, I've been doing some lab notes, too. Uh, along the way because we got some some of the listeners donated actually to that thank you 50 times because you're actually helping to pay for uh, some of the blood work uh, some of these uh, epinephrine norepinephrine dopamine analyses these are not cheap they're a hundred bucks per subject per day I'm not kidding yeah. so um, but anyway the point being is I don't know when I'm going to fit it in it's not going to be in the morning mm-hmm. uh, no, so, you I know. agree yeah. I agree. Even Yeah, that's what I know. was doing. I mean, I was doing my data collection. I mean, probably four, I mean, upwards of six days a week, usually like four to five. But then I would get done, you know, started, I don't know, you know, it's anywhere from 830 to nine. And mm-hmm. a lot of times I would get home at two thirty, three o'clock, but then I would eat lunch and then, you know, get myself together psychologically, then go train, then come back, have some dinner, usually be up for another two, three hours doing work. You know, I don't go to sleep till eleven o'clock. And some, I mean, Lana, you're right. Sometimes, like, it just sucks. Like this week, like, my training is just like sucked. I'm just got done with my study. I'm I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm just exhausted. And you <laughs> know, let me offer one thing too, and then we'll get to MC. I know she has something to say. Uh, if you're 25 years old and you're like, sleep when you're dead, Lowry. You're being a wimp. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know what? It just let's back up a second because when when I'm that fatigued, uh, let's say I'm trying to get that last two reps in whatever, you know. I'm going to hurt myself. I'm mm. sorry. My joints are old. You know, I've got surgical repairs that are old surgical repairs that aren't agreeing with me. You know, we had that episode with uh, Colasante a couple of uh, weeks ago, and he was going on about surgical repairs aren't forever. And so I'm creaking and popping already, you know, and when I'm trying to do it in a fatigued state at 8 p.m. And when I'm jostling shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of townies, not good. Not mm. good. Anyway. Yeah. No, I agree completely. I work in the weight room in some days. It's. They're like, oh, you must work out all the time, but it's just as hard for me working out of the weight room to get my lift in, and it's, yes. okay, so I have two hours, so I want to sit down, I want to get something in my stomach before I lift, and it's, I can definitely tell when I'm fatigued, and that towards the end of the semester this year, I mean, and I saw it this past week, I, um, it was our test week as a staff, and I just wasn't, it wasn't there, and I could tell, because it was just accumulation of being fatigued the last couple weeks, and being off my schedule a little, we weren't in as early, but we were still there for, you know, a normal work day. But it just, I get out of my schedule for me when I get out of my getting there early and my normal lift time. It's, it's hard to, from a psychological standpoint, I think that's real tough sometimes when, yeah you know, you're trying to, especially it was a test week. So you got to really be able to bring it. And I, it just wasn't there. So I completely get that. It can be frustrating. Yeah. Especially like when you if work, you don't eat, you know, if you don't eat, it just oh, makes yeah. it even worse. I mean, like yeah. all day long, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I have like an hour window and it's like, well, do I have time to eat and then wait? And then it's just, it's, it's a mess. I can I tell agree. you too. It's a, uh, if, if you want to be able to train whenever you want to, I can give you one piece of advice. Do not open a new facility, a new large facility and be the strength <laughs> coach there because you will have no time to do it. You'll have an awesome place and like no time. I have to fit mine in at the weirdest times because, you know, most of the time I'll walk in and I'll want to train and there's five people there and they all want me to help them. 
you know so it's and that well i have to it's my job yeah, yeah. Know, so I'm it's, it's tough and both so. of you guys i was thinking about that yeah mc and phil both of you guys are like <laughs> yeah. you're tantalizingly close to equipment you'd actually yeah. like to use when you had some energy yeah. but you yeah got, and then you know an athlete walks in and it's like all right well i guess i'm done with that mm-hmm. that part of my lift i'll get to it later so and i end up sometimes I end up doing like my lifts throughout the day split up, and that's just not ideal. And yeah. so, you know what? I'm actually. Uh, this sounds terrible, and you know, Phil, you might even cringe. But I mean, you've been around the block; you'll understand this. I read the other day that in a flexor, a muscle and fitness, that like Arnold Schwarzenegger mostly does cardio and machines. You know, and in a way, that sounds disappointing when you first hear it. Then you think the man's like seventy. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to be like sixty-eight. Yeah. Okay. And you know, and I'm. I'm that sort of, I've got 35 years on my little joints. You know what I mean? The things that helped me as a bodybuilder are now catching up with me because little joints are not helpful for, you know, keeping the weights really high, you know, for heavy loads and that sort of thing. But uh, I am I do a little bit of that. I'd rather go in the gym. I can't even call it punching the clock, you know, because, like, when I hear Phil, that's really Phil's term, punch the clock. And that to me, that means getting your work sets, like legitimate work sets. But there are some times where I don't even think it's legitimate work sets. I feel like I'm doing almost a rehab kind of workout. But you know what? It's better than flipping nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's all right. I can say, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's like, well, I did something. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well. During this holiday season, we are going to continue with our 2014 year in review, and we'll be back in just a little bit. Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, If you simply Google CRC Press and protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So, thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. And on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter – uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, – Keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. 
I can't stop feeling Some of us don't understand How lucky we are To be living in this Hi listeners, this is Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm here to remind you that as the holiday season approaches and your thoughts turn to giving, we like you to keep Iron Rating in your thoughts. Every week for four years now, it's been our privilege to bring you weekly news, experts, and gym talk. Did you know that now roughly 20,000 brothers and sisters of Iron count on us for these things? Of course, not everyone can afford to be a supporting member or a significant one-time donor. But for those of you willing to pitch in... $4 per month or $50 just once, we're about to sweeten the deal. Become a supporting member or major donor, and a limited number of you will receive a gift worth over $20. And we will never forget our existing supporters. Simply email me via ironradio.org, and I'll send you a free seminar from Dr. Lowry on how to significantly and realistically boost your testosterone levels. Help your iron brothers and sisters who cannot pitch in but deserve better internet programming in our sports. And happy holidays. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. back here on Iron Radio, and this is MC Powers. I'm here with John and Phil and uh, Lonnie, and uh, we're here doing a 2014 year in review episode. Let's let's go to the, um, the next topic then. Uh, I have down here a most notable fitness event. So, I mean, best or worst, I guess, but Phil, before we hit the record button, you and I were talking, uh, there's been a couple of sort of, on the competitive side, some mm-hmm. encouraging things. Yeah, geez, the most notable I and mean, GPA Worlds has to be up there for this year. It was billed as like the biggest powerlifting meet ever, and um, you saw Ed Cohn take the platform again, which is pretty amazing. Um, and Brandy and Lily came back, um, and then they had all the Russians over there, you know, deadlifting, um, and just I don't know, there was freaking thousands of lifters. So that that has to be up there. Um, some of it was a little. You didn't get to see what you hoped. It's like some of the lifters didn't peak out as far as you wanted to, but still seeing like 930 pound deadlifts compared to 1,018 pounds, it's still impressive. Yeah. So, um, and it just goes to show you that you can't hit that peak every day. You know, that's so, right. You know, so I that saw has to be up there. Back in the day, I watched Eddie Cohn squat at the uh, Mountaineer Cup. I was actually mm. competing in a little. Uh, they have a, they had a sort of a side bodybuilding event, and Ed was in the pro, obviously powerlifter division, mm-hmm. uh, and I really got that feel. I mean, there's these guys they're like 55 years old, and they're punching up 900 pound squats, and you yeah. are that's not disappointing. There's, yes. no, there's nothing that's incredible to watch. And that, just to so. see Ed come out and the cheers when he with him squatting six something 
raw, no wraps, on fake hips. It, you know, it's like, and he killed it. You know, it looked like a, you know, a warm up. Nice. So it was was pretty amazing, and the crowd all you know went crazy for him and stuff. So, I, you know, it'd be neat to see him if he steps out some more. It, that would be hard. I know, and I'm I'm guessing it was hard for him from talking to him to get on the platform again because you're always going to compare yourself to the old you. Yes. You know, which is the greatest ever. So, and you know you're going to be a fraction of that. Right. So. You know what? There's nobility in fighting that long defeat, mm-hmm. though. Tolkien yeah. called that the long defeat. You know, you know yeah. that age is going to win. And, yeah. you know, but you're right. There's a fine line. I think it's sort of how you do it. You can do it with mm-hmm. style like Eddie did, or yeah. you can be one of these um, guys who can't let go. I think it was Dave yeah. Tate. You know, there's a lot of these guys. They always think they've got their one last best meet in them. It's like, mm-hmm. you know what? You're 60. No, you don't. Yeah. You know, no offense. And it's honorable what you're doing. I mean, Jesus, if you're you're punching up six something in a yeah. squat or pulling it off the floor, uh, most men. With fake hips. Right, right <laughs> exactly. With a hip <laughs> Now, Eddie had a double hip replacement. Is that I right? I think or? he had both of them done, yeah. Oh, my God. And, wow. Well, and it was a, he was classy as hell the way he did it. I mean, he brought back powerlifting of old. You know, they had the monolift. Everybody's using it. And, and Ed, Ed stood it up and walked it out you know, nice. of the monolift. Nice. And it was like, here you go, kids. Here's how it's done. You know? <clears throat> so. Yeah, that's really cool. You know? Uh, you know, one thing I noticed, I would call this a runner-up because it's not quite as inspirational. And I honestly don't follow pro bodybuilding nearly like I used to. I used to know all the pros, all the national-level competitors, including the women. You know, and But James Flex Lewis you know, won the Mr. O 212-pound division again. And I really like that 212. I even think they're calling that light heavyweight. And that might sound biased because that's what that's the class that I was always in. But uh, light heavyweight for amateurs is 198 pounds at the top. This is 212. But the point is, it's more realistic. Those guys, they look a little bit more like the guys that I used to admire. You know, they're hard as rock. They look fantastic. I don't think they look any worse. In fact, I think they look better than the heaviest heavyweight Mr. Olympias. You know, so I was happy to see Flex Lewis you know, continue his winning streak because then we have a representative for a little bit more, I don't want to say attainable because a natural guy is certainly not going to come anywhere light years near that. But you know what I mean? A little bit less on the GH belly side of things, 300 pounds on a five, six frame kind of crap. That's, you know, I think is ruining the sport, frankly, Mm -hmm. you know, so I was happy to see James Flex Lewis kick some ass again. Um, and then, you know what, most notable fitness event, if you want to kind of drift into the science part, um, the ISSN meeting was down in Florida. We had a blast down there. We always do. We usually take a poster or two from our caffeine research or some protein research or something. And um, that's one that I'm going to continue to push. We'll try to get Joey Antonio, Dr. Antonio, uh, to give us an ad again in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll put that at the end of the show. Uh, just because it's a really good one, Phil. You know, I mean, it's it's yeah. great for. Well, you don't really count because I mean, you're so well educated. But anybody, I think, that's yeah. interested in fitness can really enjoy that. You yes, know, it's just a, it's a yeah. That's um, that's going to be in Austin this next year. Mm. Uh, <laughs> recipes, recipes or nutrition uh, <laughs> of 2014. <laughs> so I mean, I you know, let me start with this, MC. Are you um? Because you really have <laughs> been converted in a way from endurance athlete as an undergrad, largely. I mean, I know you did resistance yes. work uh, into a power athlete. Are you going after the big eats now? Because uh, John and Phil, I don't have to ask. But <laughs> for MC, you mean what about you? Um, 
Well, of course, from my office, and you know the uh, clientele in my office that I am surrounded by on a daily basis. Uh, they've definitely pushed. Um, they've definitely pushed it. So I have upped protein and things like that, and um, I've been pretty careful. I've you know I do the lean meats and vegetables for lunch, and uh, I do uh, pasta or something for dinner with usually like more chicken or something. But um, I've definitely upped the protein, and of course, you know exposure to. Um, lots of whey protein in the office is always, well, you want a scoop? And it, it just becomes, yeah. And I used to bust Bob about, you know, he's, you know, 50 pro, uh, 50 gram protein shakes. I was like, that's so ridiculous. And then here I am, we make similar shakes. So it's just, that's funny. um, I have definitely, uh, kind of, I've definitely changed my diet a little bit. And, um, to be honest, I've seen, I've seen some body comp changes myself and not that much diet change, but obviously I went from an endurance athlete and, I wasn't trying to, you know, up my squat numbers and things like that. And I've realized that um, I have upped my calories for sure, just overall, because um, obviously from a job standpoint as well, I'm up and on my feet and with teams from, you know, for 10 to 12 hours a day. And it's instead of, you know, classes and things as a undergrad, but um, it's become I'm always hungry and Bob will always just bust me, you know, got to get you got to eat, you got to eat. So and I'm trying to put on a little bit of weights here and there, but, um, yeah, I've definitely, definitely taken to the, um, lifters diet a little bit, but I'm enjoying it. It's good. You know, not to sound sexist, but I think women, it's a little bit harder, you know, to go after the super bulking big eats kind of thing Mm -hmm. for a lot of women. I just think it's, and again, not all of them, certainly. And don't, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of prima donna guys out there in the fitness world. That's for freaking sure. Oh, yeah. You know, that are contest dieting year round. You know, those are the guys that never gain weight or strength, though, in my opinion. Or if they do, they do it so slowly. You know, they, they rob themselves of a, a peak performance, say, in their mid-30s that they otherwise could have had. You know, I mean, we always yeah. talk about blowing past people who don't eat, you know. but Yeah, as far and that's as- a myth I try to... I try to be kind of a myth buster with my athletes and, and especially, you know, like our basketball players, they always need to eat more. Like you're burning thousands and thousands of calories in practice. You need to eat more. And so, and so with our girls, they're like, well, I don't want to eat and I don't want to gain weight. And I try to be, and I'm very lucky and I'm not, it's not a psychological thing for me, but the scale for a lot of them is an issue. And so I try to kind of be a myth buster on the diet type of thing and get them to eat when they're hungry and not think about, uh, like, how much kind of like obsessing over it. So mm-hmm. that's something I really try to work on with the athletes. Yeah, with the females especially, it's like they they rather eat like five biscuits than like a couple of little pieces of chicken. And it's, yeah, the yeah. quantity and it's like, or the quality, it's just like mm-hmm. you can't, yeah. So that's a struggle. And I, you know, and we're lucky at Kent State, we're able to give them like bars and shakes and, you know, milk and that. So that does really help. And I think sometimes if athletes didn't have that, we would have struggle, but um, as a coach for me, that's an awesome opportunity to get something in them, especially right after they lift mm. or right after a long practice. You know, right. I have kids that it's 3 PM. They've had a lift and a three hour basketball practice. And they, they, you know, we have a heart rate system measures their calories and all that stuff. And it says they burned 1500 calories and they've eaten nothing. Oh, I didn't eat yet today. And I Ugh. just look at them like, I know, how are right? you standing up? Yeah. It's crazy. So, um, from a nutrition standpoint, I really try to especially with the girls, try and be a little bit of a myth buster and try and give them little tidbits and not obsess over it, but little helpful hints is good for them. It has always blown my mind that uh, athletes, not so much just the weightlifters, but collegiate athletes, they think they can build new bodies and new structures and new abilities 
with no fuel and building blocks. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. you, what do you, you're not going to build a house without fuel and building yeah. blocks. What do you, you know, yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me. But that's, ex- I, I hear you 100%. I can't tell you. And I've worked with some big D1 teams. And that's exactly, I mean, not only are they not getting like their pre-post lift protein, it's light years from that. They just skip two, three meals a day. They're not getting basic nutrition that they need for like functioning, regardless of if they're athletes or not. So, so let's talk about recipes or things that can give them that. You know, I'm I'm going to cast the vote for meat pie (laughs) because (laughs) it's fast and it's super high calorie and there's tons of protein. I mean, you're literally just dumping a can of stew into a pie crust, you know, and putting it in the oven for you know 30 minutes. That's it. That's it. You know, you could throw vegetables in there if you want. If there's not enough in your uh, you know, in your beef stew. Sometimes I actually throw in chunk beef to up the protein, you know, so that way it's not just the crust, but it's just one of those things you could throw extra canned veg or frozen veg in there and, Mm -hmm. um, just loads of calories. So this is, it's been the year of the taco around here. Uh, (laughs) and I'm talking like authentic, uh, Mexican tacos. We got some awesome places around here and it's pretty much a tortilla, meat, onions, and cilantro. And that's it. You know, and mm-hmm. I mean, me and me and my wife have been going there at least once a week, and they, they know it's us. Like, we need fourteen tacos and <laughs> some rice, and oh, okay, it's you. Yeah, you know, two so. pounds of cooked rice. <laughs> yeah, and it's—I mean, literally, it's—it's it's a little corn tortilla and a bunch of meat and a little bit of vegetables. You know, what so. about you, John? If you had to pick a food or a recipe, what's been big with you this year? Oh gosh. Um uh, obviously, back? you know, the, uh, <laughs> obviously in the meat category, but uh, I've gotten, um, uh, you know, oatmeal, probably uh, pancakes this year, probably pancakes three, oh. four days a week for, for breakfast. You know, whether it's like blackberry pancakes, blueberry, uh, you know, put some peanut butter on there, get some extra good healthy fats. Um, gourmet pizza is really good. And, um, you know, I really haven't gone to the buffet much, but uh, we hit up this really good Mexican restaurant. That's uh, probably the best in town, and um, so yeah. I mean, my I've you know gravitated more towards like certain foods in terms of like you know the, the lifting types of foods, but um, I don't really go do like you know that old school like do- dirty bulk type of thing much anymore. It's just it's not it's not optimal for body composition. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know when you're 20 years old, and if you're ectomorphic, that might be called for. <clears throat> you know what? I'm going to make a prediction for 2015 that. Chipotle is going to continue to rock. Yes. Oh, oh yes. Agreed. Yeah, I probably had Chipotle. I mean, probably ten times just in the last two weeks. You know what? Oh. It's it, it's like um, it's so not like Taco Bell. You know, my son Logan and I laugh about this. You know, like Taco Bell is very salty and processed mm-hmm. and kind of fake. And I wish to, yes. I wish actually that uh, Chipotle would start doing the um, uh, breakfast stuff like Taco Bell. Yeah. You know, because they would rock at that. I mean, it's the one place they you would. can go. I always tell my wife, I'm like, you know, that's the one place you can go. Because sometimes she's like, really, at $9 a burrito, you know, you get two burritos. What are you doing? You know, and, mm-hmm. and the whole point being is you can eat an enormous amount of food that's pretty much on diet. You know, yeah. it's beans, like mm-hmm. you said, Phil, it's meat, beans, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you can include rice if you want for the gain. Uh, mm-hmm. They wrap it up in a giant tortilla. You get like a thousand calories in one of those burritos. Yeah, you know it's yeah. beautiful. But you can also get um, like you can get the same thing, but no little uh, tortilla. Yeah, put it in no, a bowl. Yeah, put it in a bowl. Yeah, right. When I try to clean it up, I just uh, I tell them no rice, both kinds of beans. You know, just mm-hmm. because you know, maybe think about it when you were saying pancakes, John. That I mean, mm-hmm. if you if we pretend for a moment that protein and fats are roughly fixed, 
you know, maybe you're getting a gram of protein per pound and half a gram to a gram of fat, uh, let's say half a gram of fat per pound, whatever it is, if we pretend protein and fat are fixed, carbs are what go up and down for gain. Phil, mm-hmm. I've, you've heard you said that. I've mm-hmm. said that for years. <clears throat> and, John, you do too. I mean, you know, when, like you said, you're going to okay. make a run at a competition in 2015. Um, you know, bring the carbs. And you're right. Mm-hmm. Pancakes, you can throw fruit in there, nuts. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to yeah. be just junk, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Oat, oat I put Greek yogurt in my pancakes a lot. It's really Ooh, I put uh, that's awesome. I've actually put yeah. a lot of you guys. You guys are gonna laugh. I've actually mixed in with with a pancake mix. I've put creatine in there before. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, nice. Now, creatine is, is destroyed by heat. I thought. Well, maybe it's not cooked long enough though. You know. Crea cakes. <laughs> yeah, John Mike's Crea cakes. There's a product. There's another yep. prediction there for go. 2015. There yep. you go. Yeah. I have a a short prediction for 2015. Um, It's uh, at Kent State. We've been working with a heart rate monitoring system, and I think that between the Fitbit and the Garmin, and I know there's a Windows band coming out, um, like uh, through like Windows technology, and the use of heart rate technology, I think, is going to spike a lot. Um, We use a heart rate system with our basketball team, and they all have belts on, and then um, on a laptop, I can monitor their heart rate, and uh, they have it's an ungodly amount of data that the system can give you. It's actually called mm-hmm. first beat. It's the system. Um, and I, you know, talking to other strength coaches, other basketball strength coaches through a couple different tournaments that Kent's hosted. Uh, a lot of other teams are using the similar systems like polar, I believe has the same system. And so there's a receiver and you have 15 belts going at the same time. And it's a live dashboard view of all their heart rates and mm. it gives you calories cool. and things like that. Yeah. It's really awesome. It gives, like I said, an enormous amount of data, and it gets really geeky, sciencey, super fast. So, you know, um, it's something me um, and my coach are learning still. But it's, I think that a lot of other schools are using it, and mm-hmm. they're using it from a recovery standpoint, from a um, psychological standpoint of how hard are you actually working today? Are you pushing yourself, or are you, you know, kind of hanging out at practice, or yeah. how in shape are you? Is this practice isn't supposed to be that tough, but you're, you know, you're gassed, and so things like that. I think that. Like I said, Fitbit, I know Fitbit's new heart rate or new band comes out in January that has the heart rate um, on it. That's something new for them. And like I said, Garmin, Windows, they're all coming out with new ones. And I think for the general population, I think that heart rate technology is really awesome. That's a good As well as for collegiate athletes. Yeah, and you're seeing that. It's funny you mentioned that. We're seeing it a lot at the the private sector. I'm seeing Mm -hmm. more and more people bringing that on too in their facilities so that's a very that's a great point mc i mean uh, a lot of i know the polar um ones already you know have you know the besides being a heart rate monitor you know it tracks everything for you just kind of very similar to the fitbit it's a, it's a little bit bigger but i think mm-hmm. along the similar lines i think i'm going to make a prediction for 2015 in terms of lab science is um you know more um usage and it's been around for a while but more usage of guys things like Nintendo units and gym aware which is a new relatively new uh, product to measure you know uh, force production and power output oh, wow. you know levels and responses i think those are going to gain a lot more popularity this next year i mean I, I see gym aware popping up all over the place and i and i and i know how to work you know tendo but i think more sophisticated things they have like elite force which is essentially like a wireless Type of tendos, I think those types of technologies are going to gain more popularity in the next year or two. I mean, aside from being, you know, kind of pricey, but, um, you know, when you're working in athletics, so you have, you know, a large budget, you know, you can, it's a lot easier to get those types of things. But, you know, you want to do everything you can to, 
track and maximize performance, you know, for teams and uh, and athletes. And that's just one thing of many. That that's going to be my prediction for uh, for 2015 for that type of technology. On Science Friday, <laughs> on Science Friday back in the fall, they did a show called the Quantified Self, and the whole point is, you know. Everything about you is now basically online or digital or viewable, you know, and a lot of people are liking this. Like you were saying, MC, from calories burned to heart rate. Mike Nelson's talked about heart rate variability, you know, like yes. how much distance between beat to beat. You can do all kinds of stuff with that from an overtraining perspective uh, or with stimulants and whatnot. My only concern with those predictions is that I'm afraid coaches might not use the information properly. You know what I mean? If you get a coach who doesn't know what he's looking at, he might say, oh, look, you know, the heart rate's up or down. That means you're fit or you're not fit. And they might not realize that could be overtraining that they're looking at, not lack of fitness level, you know, or yeah. something like that, you know. And I think that I've seen that a lot. So the system we've had for a little bit, and I've worked with it with basketball a lot, and from, you know, and I'm very lucky I work with Coach Lemieux, and he has a great knowledge of all that kind of stuff. This system gives you information like EPOC, and it gives you percent VO2 max, and they have their own type of uh, measurement called training effect. So it has a scale, and they use TRIMP. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that. It's a newer variable. I believe it's um, a scale of training intensity over time and how long you spend in a certain training um, intensity and how long you spend in certain stages. So it, it's not always useful because it does give you so much and you have to be able to know what it's giving you also i mean it's i can say okay we use a recovery test as well all right well he's not recovered he needs to sit out but you know if coach is mad and they lost last night he's gonna practice anyway mm -hmm. so it comes to a point where it's helpful but sometimes i feel like it's giving me all this data and i'm not it's not really being put to good use mm -hmm. so yeah. you know what i i don't always go back and analyze my own training log enough you know i religiously record my training log when mm -hmm. i leave the gym i sit there in the car i put purell on my hands cuz i just grabbed a bunch of viral dumbbells you know and <laughs> yep. and then uh I'm filling it out, and then I have to force myself every once in a while to go back and look at trends. You know, like mm -hmm. what's going up, what's coming down. Have I been my fatigue? Has it been high? You know, because I rank some little Likert scale stuff, and and what you're saying is even more so. I mean, if there's a hundred variables coming through, that's a lot to digest. You know what I mean? I mean, it's almost like yeah. you'd have to give a strength coach a whole afternoon at the end of every month mm -hmm. just to sit down and look and see who's changing and in what way and then somehow interpret it properly you yeah, know communicating it to a coach that has no ex-phys knowledge is just like it's a it's kind of a mess but and it does our system does sleep monitoring as well i think that's something to really pick up in 2015 as well monitoring sleep patterns and things like that through fitbit and all that again but um it really is it's time consuming when you have five or six other teams to worry about it's you can't can't dedicate enough time to it, I don't think. Yeah. Now, John, uh, you were talking about some more advanced ones. So let me ask you this. Do you think this is going to be – because we'll accept the prediction. I think those, that's really smart from you guys, that that's, you know technology is going to have a huge thing. Because the general public, the gen pop is all over this stuff. Yeah. Even, you know? <laughs> and so the, the more ubiquitous they become, the more they can be used. And I understand that when you talk about percent VO2 max or epoch or calorie expenditure – these are estimates based on heart of rate. Course. It's not like, yes. of course, you're breathing into a metabolic heart. We get that, no. everybody. We do get that. But, John, do you think it's going to last? 
Do you think the use of these know. Fitbit types of technologies are are going to last, or are they going to spike because of the gen pops all over it, and then they're going to get bored with it and go away? What do you think? Well, that's a, that's a, you know that's a great question. I, I think historically, just what we've seen with other uh, fitness products and things, I think it will spike and then eventually kind of level off, and then something new or better will you know take its place um, and, and replace it. Just because you know the advent of technology, and we're always advancing. But uh, yeah, I think they'll they, they will spike, but then but then eventually, you know, level off. Or it may, or if it doesn't level off, it will be just a, a better version of the same product. You know, right? Um, just kind of kind of like what we see over and over again with a lot of fitness products. You know, uh, the kettlebell movement. You know, got really big in the early two thousands. That kind of you know, dropped off a little bit, you know, according to some people, and then it's, it's, it's picked back up, you know, in the last several years, um, you know, because it used to be you didn't really see any gyms. Most gyms didn't even have kettlebells, and now pretty much every gym oh, in the tell world. tell me. I, I trip over those you know, suckers every day by the squat yeah, rack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, that's kind of like my prediction. I think um, it'll be around for a while, um, but I think, you know, coming up at the end of the year, especially with New Year's, you get all these, you know, big fitness trends and, you know, the New Year's resolutions types of people. And, you know, I think a lot of the, you know, you get more, you know, fitness and diet books. I mean, gosh, it seems like there's one coming out like every two weeks now. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that, that's kind of my prediction. I think we're just going to get better um, different versions of, of the same thing as, as time goes on. And you know what? I think what will be left over after the fallout, you know, after the explosion of popularity and the fallout is the people who know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. will have a better tool, uh, yes. you know, because it's hard to control what you don't measure. I've always said that, you know, and this yeah. is a classic example. It gives you plenty of measurements, like you were saying, MC, almost too many. But if yeah. you could pick what you like, like I know Mike Nelson, you know, Dr. Nelson is such a huge proponent of heart rate variability. He's using that in the right way in a lot, you know, I think. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll it that that will remain. It's you know what it's like a band that gets real popular, mm-hmm. and you're almost offended when you know everybody latches onto something, and then you're st- you listen to them before everybody else, and you're still listening to them after, you know. Yeah. And yeah. We, it, we, I was just gonna say we saw the same thing like six seven years ago with like Tendo unit was huge all of a yeah. sudden, and and power factor and this and that, and like everybody seemed to be buying them, and now it's like. The only people using them now are the ones that know how to use them. <laughs> and, right. you know, the good thing is, is now people like me can pick up one cheap on eBay. So, hey, let me ask you, um, because those run about 2500 yeah. bucks. Can you get yeah. those? Because they're so durable. I bet a used one would probably still work. You can find them, yeah. Yeah, you can I've find them used them, Lonnie, and they are so much better. And I understand from a from a lab standpoint, better the BMS that we've used. The Tendo's not going to give you a, a, you know, a waveform and, like, all the data you get, but it'll give you the quick stuff. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. so much faster. We've used it a lot at Kent and yeah. uh, baseball and soccer use them. And we've used them as a staff, just training. It. You know, MC, you sound it's, like John a little bit. John's talking about the much more advanced monitoring stuff. Yeah. You're like mm-hmm. the master of the ballistic measurement system. You know what I mean? So you're used to this a yeah. hundred variables, you know, time to peak force, rate of force development, bar mm-hmm. velocity. I mean, but right. you have to calibrate that stuff for, 10 mm-hmm. minutes before you can even use it. And even then, it's a little bit touchy. And do it and a, properly. Yeah, and a the Tendo, key. there's none of that calibration yes. stuff. You just kind of just Wrap it throw on it on the, the floor. Go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That I mean, and I, I used it all throughout my study, and that was one of the limitations just with the software program, and especially, you know, if you're using something like a Smith machine or whatever, the Tendo unit is not sensitive to 
you know, lateral types of transductions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just straight vertically, you know, up and down. You know, gym aware is a lot more sensitive to that type of stuff. Um, and even, I mean, if, if you want to get more advanced, I mean, just use a force plate if you have access to one, if you are, if yeah. you're around people that know how to use it. Um, you know, so. Right on. Yeah. But you from know, a coach standpoint, the Tendo is awesome. Yes. It's super yeah. quick and super easy. And for athletes, you just, all right, you need to hit this number. Yep. And they can see exactly. that and it's simple. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, we are out of time, everybody. So this is actually our pre-Christmas episode. So uh, have a good Christmas for everybody who celebrates that. You know, I don't want to be one of those guys who are like, happy holidays. I'm, I'm afraid to say Christmas. You know what I mean? Because I'm not offended when somebody else, if you, you celebrate something else, good on you. I don't know. <laughs> That's fine with me. You know? yeah. I want to actually give one more thing that we haven't talked about, and it, it'll be the worst of the year. And it's what WADA and USADA did. Uh, <laughs> did you guys hear about this? No. What's up? Did they? Uh, so it's happened twice now in like a month. Um, an athlete came up from Brazil to give a seminar. And then they had the, the world champions from China coming over to give a seminar. Both of them. When they showed up to their seminar, <laughs> WADA and USADA. So USADA has the ability to test any athlete on American soil. When they showed up to the seminar, they showed up, and before they'd let them start the seminar, pulled them off to the side, and it's like, we're testing you. At their freaking seminars. Yeah. Oh, wow. And the Chinese were pissed. <laughs> you know, their manager was not happy. Um, yeah, they pulled them to the side and like, two-hour test before they could start their seminar. <clears throat> so that is... It's invasive. Yeah, yeah it's just That's all you're going to do is stop these people from coming. They're not competing. You know, Wait, they weren't competing in any way? They weren't competing. They were here to give a seminar. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, and teach, you know, general population people how to do Olympic weightlifting. That's pretty and, nice. yeah. Oh, boy. And it was like, yeah, they're... they're asking some, for trouble. Yeah, there were some videos and stuff of the, the manager of the, the Chinese team. He wasn't happy. So, oh boy. Uh, that That's the, the my low light of 2014. So, but, wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, if, <clears throat> and we're doing predictions. That's not going to get any better. You know, those, no. those right. organizations love to grandstand. Yeah. And I, I get it. They're always in an arms race. You know, athletes are using mm-hmm. masking agents. I mean, look at Lance Armstrong, how he, mm-hmm. he, they never did pop him biologically. It was just yep. word of mouth. Yep. You know, and I mean, so Which it's is crazy. Yeah, right? So obviously the, it, they get frustrated because they look like fools sometimes, mm-hmm. and they're in this arms race. So yeah, so now they're going to try to to step it up. I don't know. Yep. I just uh, so. For a seminar, that's Clean ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. All right. Everybody have a Merry Christmas. I guess we have one more. No, we're after Christmas, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Yep. Okay. Everybody have a Merry wow. Christmas. So. Yep. Have a great holiday, guys. Awesome. Good. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet, 
or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.